welcome everybody back to another episode of the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast. Wherever you are and wherever this finds you, I hope you are doing well. And thank you so much for making this podcast today a part of your day. If you're not subscribed or following the podcast, please do so. So you get each and every episode as they come out. Of course, jump on the mailing list over at thelongerhall.com. And we'd love to have you a part of the super secret podcast group as well. There'll be a link for that in the show notes today. Excited about today's episode. We've had some really good episodes in the last few. This is an episode that we've tried to record a few times and just things just keep happening and delaying it. So finally able to sit down with Brock Morgan today and talk a little bit about teens and anxiety. Brock's got a phenomenal book that he has written that's come out uh, probably within the last year or so called The Anxious Teen. And if you've been in youth ministry for more than a day or two, you know that our teenagers in our ministry are overrun with anxiety, most of our parents as well. And so I appreciate the resource for sure. It's a great, great read. I'll put a link for this book uh, in the show notes as well. So if you haven't grabbed it, you can snag it today. Uh, Brock's a good guy, youth pastor for a long time, embodies longevity when we talk about the longer haul of what it means. Uh, He'll share a little bit about his story today as well and kind of what happened in the book. And then we dive into a few things practically from it. So I know you'll appreciate uh, this conversation and I know you'll love hearing from Brock as well. So with all that said, all that out of the way here, we'll jump into today's episode and interview with Brock Morgan on teens and anxiety. All right. Well, thanks, Brock, for joining, jumping in today. This has been a long time coming. We tried to do this a few times and stuff keeps happening. So thanks for jumping in today. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you. This is this is awesome. And it has been. We've been like, I don't know what's going on, but here we are. We finally landed the plane and I'm pumped to, to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, we started like way back in the winter. We were going to do this and then my wife's <laughs> grandfather died and that was a funeral. We ended up driving up to Montana, so I had to reschedule. Then we tried again in the summer, which we should have known better. Uh, and so here we are. Here we are. We've made it. For folks listening who may not know you yet or be familiar with you, you want to just take a minute, introduce yourself and a little bit about your youth ministry kind of journey and how you got here? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, uh, my name again is Brock Morgan. I'm a youth worker. My, I started doing a youth ministry way back in the 1900s. Can you? Me too. Me too. <laughs> it's amazing. 1991. I was the summer intern at my home church. So I came home from my freshman year of college, jumped into the student ministry. and uh, But yeah, that, so I've been doing it for 30, 30 plus years. Uh, there have been times when I have thought, should I, have you had this thought? Like, should I, could I, maybe I should do something else. Yeah. There have been yeah. pot, like opportunities where yeah. people are like, hey, what, what about you coming on as a teaching pastor? Or uh, I've even had a church, a couple churches approach me about becoming a lead pastor. I just haven't felt released from yeah. youth yeah. work. And yeah. it's infuriating. No, no but I just, I, I love it. I still, I still love it. And my dad was a youth pastor. And so I felt like I couldn't be a youth pastor because he was a youth pastor. And that's just, I don't know. I just was like, I can't do that. He was a really good one. Like he spoke mm-hmm. at uh, the National Youth Workers Convention and at Youth Specialties. 
he was a great youth pastor. And so I, I was going to be a PE coach. That's what I went to college for was physical education. But I started being discipled by a professor. He met with me and a group of my buddies on Thursdays. Hmm. And uh, he started talking about, dude, he was talking about the kingdom in a way that, dude, I just was, I was like, maybe, because for me, a PE meant I get to play dodgeball the rest of my life. And yeah, which which you still do, which I that still that, yeah. I, I just recently hit threw a ball and hit a kid in the head, and I wasn't I didn't feel bad at all. No, of no, course that's, not. That's why, why would you? It's his fault. Get out of the way. Right. Hey, move your fat head. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. But I it made me question the whole PE thing. I I asked this guy. His name was Doctor Brown. What he saw in me, and he's like Brock you would be a great youth pastor. And mm. when he said it, it just so resonated. Yeah, that was probably spring of 1991. Hmm. And I've been doing youth work ever since. It has felt like a calling and I've loved it. It is exhausting sometimes. Youth work today in particular, is pre it's pretty complex. But I love it, and I feel honored to journey with kids. And as I'm get getting older, I'm now finding myself journeying a lot more with parents. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, it's funny. I was we I was in a conversation with the guys from Youth Ministry Booster a couple of weeks back. Mm -hmm. Just like, what are some things that changed? And man, parents came right to the surface. Right, I, I think back to when when I started in youth ministry back in, you know, as you said, the 1900s, right. It was, it felt difficult at that time, but I look now right. and I'm like, Oh, I would. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it almost sounds disrespectful to say, but man, give me an eating disorder, right. Give me a, <laughs> please. Like, you know, like a kid comes, I had a kid a few months ago come and they're struggling with like, I, I it was like this, big thing, you know, we're going to have this meeting. And I thought, ah, oh, geez, here we go. I'm bracing for, for all the things that come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I just can't stop looking at porn. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. This one we can do. This is good. This is great. Right. Like, this doesn't feel, this isn't what necessarily I was bracing for because the parent before you, their world was falling apart because of all kinds of gender and identity and anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation and like dude right who would have thought yeah that when we started this thing totally no it it really is a if you look back i was helping like a generation x so you have kids that's who i ministered to first was generation yeah. x so kids of the 80s and 90s and the kids of the 90s were angry we yeah. were dealing with a lot of fighting and anger you would go to concerts mosh pits breaking out you right. know <laughs> you'd say just an angry generation and first generation to be mostly only one parent at home or no parents yep. at home because first generation to have two parents working um yep. high divorce rate angry kids yep. kind of left they were called latchkey kids left to kind of raise themselves you know my parents had no clue where I was and didn't no. care Never. all I, day no. 
every day. <laughs> yeah. And so there was a lot of uh, freedom, but there was also a lot of abandonment. And you see yeah. Chap in the early 2000s writing a book called Hurt. Yeah. And then Great we kind of moved from anger into kids carrying the weight of hurt. So we were dealing with kids cutting, eating disorders. Yeah. And yeah. then 2010s, all of a sudden, massive anxiety, addiction, mm -hmm. overwhelming addiction, anxiety. And then we move, now we're into a lot of confusion. So yeah. add to addiction and anxiety. Now, identity issues and it's getting more dude it's getting more and more complicated and i was talking with a girl there was a, a girl in our youth group and she started coming dude this is such, such a this is this is a hopeful story i'm going to give yeah. you a hopeful story okay let's she start there to youth yeah. group. she started coming to youth group and she was the kid with the hood over her head in yep. the back sitting on the floor and you would go and hey how you doing? So glad you're here. Nothing. Wouldn't look up. Wouldn't acknowledge you. It's everything is the body languages stay away from yeah. me. Headphones, and, earbuds. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I'm, you know, in fourth grade, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a quick learner. And so I just kept being super friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so like I, I would just make it my point. I'm going to, I'm not going to. Uh, it's not going to keep me from acknowledging her. I'm going to right. keep uh, saying hi. At any rate, after about three months, she walked up to the stage after my talk. This was like mm. shocking. And can I talk to you? She took her hood off. First time I ever saw her face. Wow. Half of her head was blonde and the other half yeah. was black. Very, very 101 Dalmatians. Yes, totally yeah. Cruella DeVille she was going for. And she eventually told me the reason, hey, the reason why I have my hair this way is because I'm trying to figure out what gender I am and mm. what what my sexuality is. And so I feel like two people and huh. I kind of move back and forth. She tells me this and we talk. So this becomes a tradition every Wednesday night after youth group, after my talk, we sit on the stage and this goes on for months. Hmm. And then I convince her to come to our retreat, which is a miracle because she wanted to even go into her small group. She, after my talks, she, yeah. It was very antisocial, but she would talk to me and mm -hmm. she goes on the retreat somehow. I don't know how comes open to God mm -hmm. and I get a, I get a note. She hands me a note at the end of the week and this note like made me cry because she basically said, I discovered who I am this week. And if I were to boil down what her letter said to, to me, it was, I I am loved by God and I hmm. love him and that's who I am. And it was like, oh, <laughs> like breakthrough. But breakthroughs today are slow. They're slow in coming. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I could never be a senior pastor in those moments. You're like, this mm. is why, this is why, this is why I run towards this. And it, and it comes like right at the moment you're thinking, I don't know that I can be very effective at this anymore. Like, I'm not sure. 
maybe I've moved on or maybe I've, I've grown beyond this or this is more than I can handle. And then you have a moment oh. like that and you're like, how could I ever do anything else? Dude, I, I was feeling that last fall. So a year ago at this time, I felt very discouraged. Yeah, I was 50 years old. I'm, I'm not seeing any breakthrough. I'm not, there's no wins. Yep. By the time we get to December, I'm thinking maybe I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you just keep doing good youth work. You keep running after kids. You keep joining God and lifting their heads. Right. And it's when January comes, boom, I'm starting to see stuff happening softer hearts, open minds. And uh, it's uh, so then I was like, all right, I'm good again. But there can be some hard seasons in youth work. It can be discouraging. And oh, yeah, I feel you, bro. And I think that's where like, and I'll tell youth pastors a lot, and I'm sure you get the same, like folks will call or they'll reach out. They're about, they're in that place, right? Ready to give up. I don't know. And it comes back to where you started, man. It just comes back to this idea of calling. Like, this is just where God has called me and who he's called me to run toward. And if you're not confident in that on the front end of stepping into youth ministry, you're going to really have a hard time to stay in youth ministry because those moments like you just talked about, where they are few and far between. And I look back at, you know, I'm 24 years into this and... I mean, there's a handful of those, right, that you'd point to, those those moments like that, those big, mm-hmm. and almost, and most of those come after they leave your ministry. You don't even get to see them while they're in your ministry. You see that come out five years after they're on the other side. So if you get in thinking, this is going to be super rewarding, and I'm going to see all the, it's, it is, but not very consistently. Right. Yeah. If you get into youth work to build your self esteem, <laughs> wrong, wrong Not area. Happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. That's so true. My wife There's is a... our kidsman uh, okay. pastor. And so she gets presents every Christmas, cards, and they see her and go running. Oh, Pastor Kelsey. Yes. And just, I'm like, she just feels so good all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah. that's why I remember, it, man, early on, I was at a, it was probably a youth specialties. It was, you know, convention and maybe it was Doug. I don't remember who it was. Somebody, they were talking about the encouragement file, right? And I'm, mm. I'm like, I'm brand new out of the gate. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm reading every book I can get. I had no, I wasn't planning on student ministry. I kind of got bamboozled a bit into it and I'm just trying to figure it out. And he says, man, you need an encouragement file. And every time you get a card, a note, you put it in the file because Mm. they're not going to, they're not going to come often, but you're going to look at that file a lot. And I'm not sure why that was the one thing that I listened to, but I'm so glad I did. And look, man, here I am 24 years later and I still have that file. You know, I have like a, I now probably have two. I have my, the one in my actual filing drawer right for cards that never come and then i have a like a digital one that i'll save snapshots or screenshots of emails right oh that's so good because man if you don't if you don't feed that side of things and and if you don't for me i'll say for me 
if I can't go back to that and be reminded that what I am doing is making a difference, it does matter even when it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, man, I'll walk away every time. I'll never stay. I'll never stay. So Yeah, I just, I have the fantasy of it's so funny that this is my fantasy when I'm feeling discouraged. I'll be driving in the car and I'll look over like at maybe a stoplight and I'll see a UPS driver in his brown shorts listening to ESPN radio. He looks so happy. Yeah. You know? And I just go, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> you know, you walk in and you you flirt with the receptionist as you're delivering the packages. <laughs> that sounds like an easier existence. Right. <laughs> right. I've the the amount of jobs that I have, you know, seen people doing and thinking, gosh, that must be nice. You know, it's right. Oh yeah, I've lost count. I've lost count. <laughs> That's funny. Well, the lineup after after church on Sunday, after our pastor preaches of people yeah. to affirm him, and I go, oh, <laughs> wonder what that's like. I just yeah. come in the day after to angry emails from parents about, stuff. yeah, yeah. You know, that's the encouragement I get. Well, they are reading my emails. Look, they do oh, know yeah. who I am. That's funny. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the book a little bit. Yeah. I love the book, by the way, the Anxious Teen. Um, Thank you. Great read. I read it like cre- incredibly fast. I think it was, you know, and, and I'm not just like some books, you know, you get and you're like, okay, I got to make it to the end. I yeah. didn't find that. I, that was not the case with this. I, if anything, I was slowed a bit because I was, you know, oh man, that's good. Let me highlight that. Mark that. I need to remember that. That's great. Sharing parts with my wife, some with our student ministry team, like, oh, listen to this guys. Just good. Really helpful. Really practical, which I always appreciate. I think if I had to pick out, and you kind of even alluded to this a little bit earlier, like the the when there was a spot in the book where I was like, oh man, this I feel, right? And it wasn't even the anxiety part, ironically. I mean, all that was great. It was the, you you take a, a, a moment early on in the book and you kind of walk through the generations and how they were parented. Oh yeah. And how it led to this and how, basically how we got to where we are. And mm. I have, I'm telling you, man, I have used pieces of that or the that overarching kind of principle there in parent meetings since I read it, right? Let me explain to you yeah. how you got to where you are. And you see when you're sharing that with parents in parent meetings, they're not you see the heads nod like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, that was me. I was the growing up with nobody, right? Or I was angry or and it would have as I'm reading that I'm like, this would have been an easy spot to leave out, you know, to because uh. we're but it was so helpful in framing what followed. And again, beyond the, even the anxiety conversation, just really, really helpful to take, oh, I'm going to use that in parent meetings. I'm going to use that with our volunteers. I'm going to, uh, you know, and there were lots of things that I took that we've used to, don't get me wrong, but that thing, I was just like, yes, championing that. Because right. I feel like maybe those of us who have done this for a while, we've seen those patterns. I'm not sure that I've ever been able to really articulate it and so as I'm reading that, I'm like, ah, this is it. This is what I've been feeling and what I've been trying to say. So it's mm. really, really good, man. I really appreciate Dude, that's that. great. I have been on so many podcasts about this book, and no one's brought that chapter up. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was really helpful. And, and again, maybe it's because, even like you said earlier, 
okay, where I am now in ministry, I, I love, I, we were talking to, I was talking to somebody on our team uh, last week, and I said, you know the thing I love about student ministry more than anything right now? I love parent meetings. And if my 20-year-old mm. self would have said that, I would have thought I was crazy. I just love getting in the, I, but I love getting in the room with parents. I love sitting down and, and talking to parents. And part of it probably is I'm old now and I am a parent, right? I'm, I'm parenting teens and beyond. I've, I'm parent, we're parenting adult children and, and teens. And so that I resonate with where they are. But I also just see the value, right? If I'm going to, even in like, if I'm going to help walk a kid through anxiety in this case, right? That, that has to happen with the parent. And the likelihood that that parent is also dealing with anxiety is really high as well. And so how do we walk through this together as family um, has been really good. So that maybe that's why that jumped out because that's, that's an area, especially the last couple of years and this year where I'm really personally as a youth pastor running toward is we're running towards parents pretty hard again. So it was great. It was really good. I Dude, appreciate that, it. That's the beauty of longevity. You know, when yeah. you're first in youth work, the only people that will listen to you are 14 year olds. Right. You know, if yeah. that, and yeah. you get, you, maybe you get older, you get married. So now like young adults, college students that you have their ear and then you have a child and now like maybe young marrieds might listen to what you, you they, they might tune in. Once you've raised kids or your kids are teenagers, now parents, your audience just widens, it broadens. And if you stay in youth work long enough, I think that's, I think I'm in my sweet spot because yeah. kids yeah. listen to me. I'm old. I'm 51 yep. now. Kids listen to me because they know I really love them. Yeah. So like every week we do signups to hang out with Brock. And dude, that thing is packed. Kids yeah. want to hang out. And it's not because I'm cool, because I'm not. Right. I love them and they know it. And parents yeah. listen to me and pursue me because I have, they're desperate, right? They're desperate. Yeah. And yeah. I have something they need, wisdom. And so, yeah. dude, I love that you say that because that's the, that's what I didn't know as a young, my first, my first parent meeting. I got up as a 22 year old and told these parents how to parent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. in a mom. Right. And there were three moms at the parent meeting who didn't need to be there. They were just rad moms. Yeah. And afterwards, one of the moms came up to me and she said, Brock, you know, this is literally what she said. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. I need to change my strategy on how to lead parent meetings. Yeah, it's that's the beauty of getting older in youth work. No, and I, I it's funny you say you're in your sweet spot. Like I literally had that conversation uh, a few months ago. Like I just feel like I'm in my prime in a lot of ways. It looks very different. How I am as a youth pastor today is very different than it was 20 years ago. Like it's it's not even close. I relate to students differently than I did 20 years ago. I relate to volunteers differently than I did 20 years ago. I relate to my leadership, my senior leadership in my church differently than I did 20 years ago. Oh, thankfully. man, yeah. Right? Uh, and I relate to parents differently, but not worse, right? I'm not, I don't feel like I am less effective. I, if anything, I feel like, no, I, I'm more effective now in many ways than I was then. 
and and I and I have learned to lean in and and see those things and appreciate that over the last few years because yeah sure there's and there's still times look like we said earlier where I'm like man am I supposed to be doing this like yeah and and everybody totally. there's plenty of people who will tell you that you need to do something different even if you're great at it because they just see there's the, in their mind better things bigger things and right. You know, yeah, they've defined youth work as a young person's game, and yeah. it's uh, they don't know the value. And now you have churches who are like, we need a like a an older youth pastor who can be gener- generational and run our family generational ministry and oversee the. And they can't find them. No, like because they all you like ran churches, them off. <laughs> yeah, you you did. You ran them off. Yeah. They all and went and, planted, and planted, right? They went and church planted. That's where all those people went. That's so. right. Yeah, you are a a unicorn. You yeah, know? both of someone your age. I mean, doing youth like work. How, you're a unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> for sure. But let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about. First of all, let me back up and say I did not know. This is me being naive. I didn't know you had to go to school to be a PE teacher. Every PE <laughs> teacher. Every PE teacher that I ever had in school growing up seemed like they did not go to school for that. They just got stuck there because there was nothing better for them to do. So I, I mean, that, I learned something already today. Dude. So I, my freshman year, I think, all right, I'm going to be, I'm a PE major. I didn't realize you had to take a bunch of science. I'm taking kinesiology. <laughs> I'm taking biology in my biology class. The professor on the first day of class said, 50% of you will flunk this course. I immediately stood up and went, I'm out of here. And I went down <laughs> to the registrar's office and dropped the class. <laughs> you know, they said something very similar in when I got to Bible college. <laughs> they said, oh, yeah? stand up. Yeah, most of you won't be in ministry in five years. And everybody oh, was like, that's Not, that. But yeah, but it was different because everybody was. Because everybody was like, not me, right? Uh, Dude, yeah. I know. I was texting with my friend, college friend, who's still in ministry, still in youth work. But he's like my only like, like college friend who is still at it. And now he's about ready to step out mm. of youth work. And, and I, I go, oh, yeah. no, just hang in there. But that's, <laughs> that's funny. funny. Yeah, I've got one friend as well from college that I remember that's still doing youth work. And he's amazing. Mm. He's amazing at it, right? It, but but we'll see. So the book. Sorry, we, everybody's like, when are you guys going to talk about the book? Yeah. Oh, what was it? like? Uh, there's a lot of things as a youth pastor that I could think I'd write a book on. I'm not sure <laughs> that I would jump in and write a book on teen anxiety, even though I'm seeing it and dealing with it. I think I would just be like, you know what? Somebody else should do this, not me. What was oh, it? Totally. That, that, yeah. What was it? You're like, no, I'm going to do this. So I went to my publisher, who now is not my publisher. They sold my book to a different publisher. <laughs> so now I have a different book, but I went to the original publisher, the Youth Cartel. Yeah. And I had a meeting with Marco Stryker and I pitched him five book ideas. And I have written for a group. And Ondervan, but I've the last few have been the youth cartel. We have a good partnership. 
and and it's just easier. I have a great yeah. relationship with yeah. them, and I just I don't have to write a book proposal. I just go, hey, let me pitch you some ideas, yeah, which is way easier. And so right. I pitch him five ideas, and he looks at me, and he's like, ah, you got anything else? <laughs> and so I go, all right, I have a book that I've been thinking about that I'm hesitant to write called The Anxious Teen. And I did a whole, basically a three-minute pitch to him. Yeah. And I said, I'll, I would, I'd like to write this with a therapist and yeah. like an expert in the area. But, and he goes, dude, that's it. That's the book. And so I was hesitant to write it. I wasn't sure that I was the person to write it, even yeah. though I have years of dealing with and helping kids with overwhelming anxiety. And to be honest, and I hate to say this, but I struggled with anxiety myself. Yeah. And it was because of a really difficult ch church work environment that was toxic. And it led to me having anxiety and really yeah. struggling. And I just, uh, I worked through it. I got counseling. I got help. In fact, my wife made me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it ended up becoming my superpower. Like, because yeah. when kids all of a sudden in 2010 started coming to me with overwhelming anxiety and regular panic attacks and all of this stuff, I, I could empathize and yeah. I did the journey and the work myself so I could help them and I could get them to help. I knew how to get them to help. And so, so I, yes, I was nervous about writing it. The worst part was, so how the book is laid out is I I write a chapter and then this uh, family therapist, who's a professor at Azusa Pacific University, and she has her own family practice she would then write a response to the chapter. So the scariest <laughs> thing was handing her these chapters because I was like, oh, crap, she could kill me. Like, what if she disagrees with what? She loved it. And I was just, it's like the the highlight of my life. <laughs> the, all this work, two years of work, she was like, oh, my gosh, Brock, this book is so good. So, But her chunks after each chapter are, are uh, worth the uh, price of, of the book. Yeah. I thought it was really helpful to have both perspectives. Did you know her before? I had met her at a okay. dinner party and I was telling her I was looking for someone to write the, and she goes, I'll write it with you. And I went, Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's had, she has written a couple books herself and it ended up being awesome, but it was totally yeah. random. It wasn't like, hey, let's find, it was, we're eating dinner and drinking wine. Sure, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> That's funny. And is there, I mean, I know, and you mentioned in the book too, like that your kind of journey through anxiety of your own, like you do a really good job of explaining, of laying that out, which I appreciate. Are there things now having, so you've walked through it yourself, your anxiety. You've obviously been a student pastor for a long, long time, walking kids through all kinds of problems, including anxiety. But through the process of writing the book, after kind of sitting down with the finished book, are there lessons or things that you learned personally, like through the process of that, that have, that, that kind of rose to the surface? Yeah. So I wanted this to be a heavy research book. And so 
just the the amount of reading and research and research hot off the presses. And I actually ended up discovering that the problem was worse than I thought, hmm. that kids are struggling with fears and anxieties. And I mean, self-harm rates are up 62% since 2010. Yeah. Um, so among teenage girls, self-harm rates are up 189% since 2010 among preteen kids. Wow. Like suicide rates are up 151% among preteen children since 2010. Mm. And you're, you just go, what is going on? And you almost can... And there's a lot of reasons for this, but you can almost track the issue to one thing. And I was shocked by it. And there are other things, and I talk about a bunch of other things, but screens, social media, our phones have overwhelmed, they have changed the landscape completely because kids are immediately comparing themselves to other people on their screen. The phone is made in a way and apps are made in a way in which they get you addicted. Mm -hmm. Kids have terrible sleeping problems, which leads to more anxiety and more issues. And because of their phone, they're getting into more and more risky behaviors. So you you have these uh, things that are happening. They all lead to more problems. And so whenever I see like, sixth graders coming into the youth ministry, our youth group starts at sixth grade and they're already on their phones, social media. I'm like parents. And I I say this with love, but this may be the stupid, most stupid generation of parents I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) I mean, they've all, we've always struggled with parents and I, I, I'm not the, the, like talk to my daughter She'll, she loves me dearly, but I'm not perfect. And so I, I say this humbly, but man, I just go, what are you doing handing a 10 year old yeah. a smartphone like this? Like everyone knows, we all know the research, right? Like, what are we doing? Well, we and, all say, uh, oh, not my kid, not my kid. Yeah. That's like somebody else's above struggle. Right. So it's all, so anxiety is across the board. So people will be like, Oh, my kid doesn't really struggle with anxiety. BS, dude. It may not be like uh, like overwhelming daily panic attack, but to varying degrees as a society yeah. we are we are more anxious than we used to be. And and so in my own life, I have created some habits. I every single night go for prayer walks and I've been doing that for 15 years. I am seeking a rest and solitude at times. I, I'm in tune with my, when my body is telling me something's wrong. Whereas when I first started getting anxiety, I didn't even notice my chest was tightening and I was mm. starting to hyperventilate. I didn't even like, all right, now what's happening? I don't know why. I didn't know why I was feeling these things. I was so disconnected from myself. And you learn these things. But dude, in the research, I discovered uh, this things are worse than I thought, and I knew they were bad, but then I need to make some changes in my youth ministry to adapt to where kids are. 
Yeah, and what what does that look like when you say make changes? So a couple of things. I'll just highlight a couple of things. So you've got these kids coming in who are, let's say, more addicted. They're a more addicted generation uh, than previous generations. They are struggling now with identity issues. And that's not across the board, but it, it the rates are higher. Suicide ideation and thoughts are uh, higher. Anxiety is extremely higher. So to come in and kind of do shallow youth work, make them laugh, sing a song, give them a little Jesus, send them on their on their way, that's just not going to cut it anymore. And so what we have to do is reintroduce prayer and meditation as normative rhythm in our ministries. So like it's normal. Like I, here's something I discovered was that we were doing announcements longer than we were praying at youth group. Mm-hmm. And prayer, like I got counseling, I got help, but prayer and meditation like almost cured me just those things, those two things. Mm-hmm. And we have to reclaim meditation. Our faith is steeped, rooted. We meditate on the word day and night. Prayer, pray without ceasing. This is the the our spirituality. This is what our faith is all about. This connection with God and prayer and meditation needs to be needs to be normalized. And just because this is what we do. So like our youth group is a growing youth group, but we're deeper. We're much more spiritual. And so kids come in now because we've shaped the culture and it's just, I've been here three years. It's just been the last six months. We've shaped the culture in a way where kids come hungry to connect with God. And uh, we still have fun. Uh, If we're not having fun, I don't want to be a part of it. We still have fun, but we are, kids are writing prayers every Wednesday night in their, in a, a, we hand out these prayer journal sheets and we take worship seriously. A lot of youth groups do. I, we, I lead them through prayers and these unsafe kids are saying these prayers and writing Mm -hmm. prayers to God. And I'm not joking. It's the most evangelical thing. I've like, not evangelical, evangelistic thing I've ever done. All of a sudden, they're sensing God's presence, and yeah. all of a sudden, their anxiety is subsiding a little bit, and they're discovering one of the most amazing fruits of the spirit, which is peace, yeah, joy. Man. And so yeah, that's good. That was a that was a shift that we made. Yeah, no, that's good. So let's say someone's listening, maybe they're just starting out in student ministry, or Maybe someone's listening and they've got, they're dealing with a ton of kids with anxiety, but they're not sure what to do. Obviously, I mean, we talked through some programming shifts to make. Like what kind of practical, what's the low hanging fruit here to help? Like what kind of practical steps can they take to, to come alongside those kids better? One thing I started doing is I call it developing a culture of wounded healing. So Here's what we are as youth workers. We're first responders. So like if a kid is struggling, they know we love them. They trust us. 
And we tend to be one of the first people they come to, hey, I'm really struggling. Can we get together? And so as a first responder, you can't have a Jesus complex, which is I'm going to fix their problems, which is why we uh, partner with experts. We get them yeah. into counseling. We we do those things. but And that's part of journeying with kids. Is uh, And I've even had to drive kids to counseling because their parents are so uh, just disconnected. And yeah. that's been really hard, hard deal. But here's the wounded healing part is a kid a few years ago asked me, Hey, could I meet with you? I'm really struggling with anxiety. I don't know what to do. And I was like, yes, but can I bring, and I mentioned another kid's name who had anxiety and has, he's about six months ahead of you in this journey. Could I bring him? Of course. So the three of us are sitting at a coffee shop and I'm watching this kid who is struggling listen to this kid who's a half year in front of him sharing his story. Here's what helped me. Here's what I was feeling. Here's how God entered into the pit. And I'm just sitting back watching this. And I went, I'm never meeting with kids, just me again. Like Gosh, I, have so to, good. <laughs> I have so to, I have to, so now kids go, Oh my gosh, I'm seeing my story be redeemed. I'm seeing a purpose for even the struggle. And I'm not saying God causes struggle, although sometimes yeah. he does, but I'm not saying sure. God puts anxiety into our lives. He wants to give us peace, but he re he can redeem the hard things. And so I started regularly doing that where we develop this culture of wounded healing. Every Wednesday night, they're going to hear a kid tell their story. And it in some of sometimes they'll be kind of in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of depression or fear. And their story is, I'm here and yeah. I want more of God. And I am in the midst of this. And, and so we're, so it, it becomes normal to share our struggle. It becomes normal to get help. It becomes normal to journey towards health. And we just are placing this in front of our students. And that is so good. That is so good. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. I, I think. And it, it actually makes youth ministry fun. Yeah. Like it's, it's not just, it's, it's kids are leaving with a greater sense of purpose, a greater sense that they are a part of a, com a community. It feels like youth Sunday. Youth yeah. group feels like youth Sunday. You know, when kids yeah, take yeah. over the service, I want youth group to feel like that where kids are leading and sharing and, mm. and it just, it just feels rich, you know, when it's just yeah. about me. Hey, how was my talk? What'd you think about my talk? Dude, Please, Not good. I'm, I'm done with yeah. that. <laughs> well, and I, I can imagine too, like even going back to what we were talking about earlier with the encouragement, like personally, that's got to be rewarding and encouraging to see it. Because I, let, me, let me say, I think a lot of times we aren't encouraged because we don't see the things that God's doing in the lives of our students. But when you're putting them up in front to share their story or when you're bringing them along for some of those, like it's a constant reminder, even to you as a youth pastor, that no, God is doing things. He is at work. That's totally. Cool. No, That's it cool. does. And, and actually encourages our youth volunteers. 
because yeah. they can sometimes go go home going, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, oh, but then they see their kid up front and then now their kids are sharing because a kid up front shared and, oh, it's normal to share. We, we talk here. And yeah. so everyone leaves feeling, let me, let me offer one more thing. So yeah. I said, reintroduce prayer and meditation as normal. Uh, develop a culture of wounded healing. I briefly yeah. mentioned partner with experts. One more thing. Yeah. Deepen your teaching. Hmm. And what I mean by deepen your teaching, I don't just mean exegete the scripture, although you should do that. What I mean is your teaching should lead kids to a person. And that is Jesus. And I mean personally. And you should leave space at the end of your teaching for the power and presence of God's spirit to work. And you don't have to be a charismatic. Yeah. I'm not talking about being Pentecostal. I'm talking about creating space for kids to sit with what you just shared, for them to sense God's presence. Hmm. After my talk, I give, we have kids up front even and some adults that after my talk, during the last song, kids can go get prayed for. There's yeah. My talk leads to kids getting prayed for, kids sitting in God's presence, kids breathing in deep and taking mm. this in. That's what I mean by deepening your teaching. It leads, you're, you're handing them into, you're handing them off to the Lord and to, uh, when I was a young youth worker, I, for me, it was about making kids laugh. I just loved being the funny guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and then you're like, all right, that's awesome. Head to small groups. And there's just, Whoa. but there was, I never created space for God to, yeah. uh, for kids to, it says we live in a culture of immediacy. So everything right. is coming at us immediately, but we, our faith says, if you want to know God, be still. <laughs> Yeah. Wait on the wait on the Lord. And so, and so no wonder kids don't jive with the faith today and the culture they're living in. And so we have to create that space. Yeah. I love that. Those are great. Those are great. Before before we go, because I do want to be mindful of your time, if folks wanted to connect with you outside of this, where is the best place for them to do that and to find you? Yeah. Obviously you can Check me out on Instagram. I am at real Brock Morgan. I'm the real one. How dare someone be at Brock Morgan and steal my name? And, uh, but I'm at real Brock Morgan. BrockMorgan.com. You can go there. My books are on Amazon. If they wanted to check out uh, my books, uh, The Anxious Teen is yeah. the, the latest one, which I'm pumped about. But yeah, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you, uh, partner with you journey with you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I love it. I'll put links for all that in the show notes as well as a link to The Anxious Teen. Uh, it is a book that I think every youth pastor right now should read. There's no question about it. There's very few books, Brock, and I mean this. I think there's very few. Wait, let me back up. I One of the things that I didn't say earlier that I love about the book, even though you may have felt like, I'm not sure if I should write this. There's probably experts. I think the fact that you are a youth pastor writing to youth pastors is so, so helpful for a youth pastor. 
And so there's tons of books that you can pick up. If you're listening, there's tons of books you could read on anxiety and depression and panic. And you should. You should educate yourself 100%. You should have a counselor or therapist that you have a relationship with, your church has a relationship with, that you can refer people to. That is, you, you should have that. But this book is incredible for a youth pastor to read. It's personable. It is funny at times. Uh, your personality comes out through the book, but it is really practically helpful, especially for youth pastor, regardless of the size of your church or your context, context, where you are, what denomination you're a part of, or any of those things. Like just a really, really good book. So I'll put a link for the book in the show notes. And then you didn't mention this. I'll mention this. Youth, the, the Sherpas podcast. You can yes. hear Brock all the time. So <laughs> I love, I love, I loved it before. I loved the podcast before, even more now. There's three of you on there. It's so good. Uh, be sure to check out the Sherpas podcast as well, um, and take that up. You know, take Brock up on on his offer for sure. I, I, he's a guy who wants to help you. There's no doubt. Um, is there a resource uh, aside from the book? And I mean, some of the things we've talked about that you would throw at folks. You know, the Fuller Youth Institute has great research that's so very helpful that keeps you current. I'm a big research person. And so uh, let me just point people to that one resource. And from there, they actually will get you to other uh, resources that kind of, I have youth pastors all the time ask me, where are you getting all of this research? I don't know how to, well, just start there. And then from there, you'll go, where did, where are they getting this? And then all of a sudden you're reading some really amazing helpful stuff that you can give to parents. I even do stuff with our kids. Like here's where your, your friends are at right now. Here's what's happening Mm -hmm. in your schools, in our world. And I think it's just helpful to have that stuff and to always be learning and adapting and dude, be a coach that when you come to a team, you don't come with your old playbook. Yeah. Look at the landscape and then strategize. But yeah, that those that's a good resource. And there's a lot of great books out there too. Yeah. So sure. yeah. That's great. Well, man, thank you so much. Thanks for jumping on. I appreciate our conversation again. Go check out the book. Go check out Brock. Uh, you'll be blessed for it. Your kids will your kids will be helped by it. And uh, maybe that's the most important thing of all. So Thanks again, man, for jumping on. I appreciate it. Dude, it was so fun. I loved it. We'll have to grab lunch. We're not that far Dude, from each other. Can we? We aren't we are we are not far from each other. Let's make this happen. Yeah, for sure we will. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. A great interview. Great, great youth pastor. I hope you'll check out the book, The Anxious Teen by Brock Morgan. I think it's pretty evident as you listen to Brock talk about the book what was behind the book, and even some stories from his own experience that his heart for teens is hard to beat. And the reason he's still doing this, like the rest of us, is because he just desperately wants to see God do something in the lives of teenagers. So make sure you head over to thelongerhall.com. Check out the um, show notes there. The book will be there, as well as a link to the Youth Ministry Sherpas podcast from, that Brock is a part of. And also, if you remember, if you're not on the mailing list, jump on the mailing list. Be sure to subscribe and follow and all those things. And uh, I think that'll do it for today. So we'll see you guys in the next episode.